Good evening. I guess it's me again tonight. Y'all got me. So, I don't have a bulletin. I hope y'all remember all the announcements from this morning. And we're just going to go ahead and start worshiping instead. Instead. So, y'all want to get on your feet so y'all can help me worship. We're doing all very familiar songs tonight. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for this beautiful day, God. We thank you, Father, for what you did in the service this morning, God. And we anticipate great things in the service tonight, God. God, help us to open our hearts for what you have in store for us. Open our minds, Lord. Open our ears, God, to hear you. Open our spirits, God, to receive it. Just have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead.
You have 
Bless your name, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just do that together. Lord, we exalt you. Name above every name. Jesus Christ, Lord of all. We long for the day when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. We long for the day when the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. We long for that day when every knee will bow, every tongue confess your Lordship. We bless you. We want you exalted here. We want your name magnified here. And Lord, we want your presence. So Father, with your presence, move as you desire. Have your perfect way in and through every aspect of this meeting tonight. May you be exalted in us. May you receive the glory. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Lord. God is so good. Amen. Amen. God bless your hearts. You can be seated. I'd like to ask those that are receiving the offering tonight, if you would please come and, and let's give an opportunity to the body to, to be able to give in their offering. And if you would, just kind of an outsider looking at the church, you're very blessed with Julie. You know, whatever you're paying her, it's not enough. Okay, and, and you're very blessed with her. Uh, a church needs something in this time that you're in that is constant, that is stable, that you can count on, that is right there. And that is what she is. She is that constant, she's that stable. And, and so she just, as an outsider, she is a super blessing to this church. Yeah. Um, I was gonna ask someone to have a prayer. Um, brother here, I, I'm sorry, I forgot your name right there on the aisle. Would you stand and give our blessing for our prayer? Would you please, Brother Black, could you have the prayer for the offering?
you, Lord. God bless you, men. Thank you. Appreciate them. Would you be a blessing to them again, please? Thank God. If you would, please get out your Bibles, and I want to get right into the Word this evening. Uh, I don't know uh, if you've been to Oklahoma City within the last couple of weeks, but you know, I-35 is under construction, and, and it's the pits. It took Paul and I two and a half hours to get home uh, last Sunday uh, that we went, not this past Sunday, but a week ago Sunday, when we drove right after Sunday night home. It took us two and a half hours to get home, and it's just, it's the pits. Um, but I'm kind of an honor to be with you. Paul and I have enjoyed being with you. We're praying for you to get a pastor, and, and it's going to happen soon. Amen. And in fact, if you would, when I preach this message, I'd like for you to look at it from two perspectives. And one is, and, and I'm going to ask you this a few times, and, and just, just for, for clarity, this is not because I'm getting old that I'm going to ask you more than once. It's because I really want to drive home the point. Here's the question, and that is, what is the promise that you're holding on to? Do you have something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has promised you, and you've not received it yet? What that is, that's a promise that you're hanging on to. I can tell you in my personal life, there's some things that I, I believe God has told me is a promise, and, and it's not happened yet. Uh, for us that are gray-headed and up in years, I'll tell you probably a promise that most of us have. Now, you don't have to have First Samuel 15 and 29, the English version, Israel's majestic God does not lie or change his mind. 
Hebrews 6 and 18, it is impossible. I love that. It's impossible for God to lie. There's, he can't lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Our God cannot lie telling me this. His promises are true. If he, if he said it, it's going to become a reality. Now, please, this is, this is kind of the, the stipulation of the promise I'm talking about. A promise that God has given you. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not something that I gave me, and it's not something that... which God promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's a good principle that we learn right there in that verse, and I want you to see it. And that is the, the prophets speaking under God's anointing. are yes, and in him, amen. The, the word yes means affirmative, and then the word amen means I agree with that. Like when you say amen in church, somebody says something you... It's the promise of, the, of my Father upon you. So again, the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you will, Galatians chapter 4, verse 28 says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. You and I, as Christians, were adopted into the family of Abraham. And thank God, we're the children of promise. Uh, if you will, Second Peter 1 and 4, one of our favorite verses, I'd say every one of you got it marked. It says, in whom, in, by, excuse me, by which we have been given, has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. So the promise.
to forgive us of all our sins. Tremendous promise. Another promise is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 and 37, the promises to you, to your children, all to afar off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. See, if you're a Christian, you've been called out of sin into life in Christ. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone, every believer. Another promise is victory, Romans 8 and 37. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Can you say amen? Another tremendous promise is a, a, a good outcome. All things, Romans 8 and 28, all, all things work together for the good for those who are uh, called according to His purpose. And so thank God for that. Another tremendous promise is heaven. Thank God for the promise of heaven. Uh, we're going to trade up our bodies. Hallelujah. We're, we're going to go to a glorious place. 1 John 2, 25, He promised us eternal life. If you will, long life. Some of you are already living out this promise. Trust me, if you're over 80 years old, you're living in the promises of God. Amen. And actually, if you want to be real blunt, if you're 70 years old, you're living out the promises of God. I'm 68. I'm two years away from the promise. Uh, notice with me in Psalm 90 and 10 NIV, it says the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. And so that's a promise of God. Thank God. Uh, now, with these general promises, and these are very general, salvation, baptism, Holy Spirit, uh, victory, overcoming, these are general. Let me give you now some very specific ones. Like, for example, decision-making. Uh, scripture says that the Holy Spirit has come to lead you and guide you. And thank God for that. Another is healing by His stripes. Anybody finish it? We are, we are healed. Uh, financial provision. Uh, if we'll give our tithes, as He's told us, He will open up the windows of heaven, pour out of us such blessing we can't contain it. Uh, that's a promise of God. Another promise is ever abiding. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. I claim that promise quite often. Uh, another promise of God is comfort. He's the God of all comfort, says 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, peace, uh, the peace of God that passes all understanding will build a garrison, a fortress around your heart and mind. That's Philippians. Anybody say amen? amen? Tremendous promise. Another promise is joy. Jesus said, my joy I leave with you. Not as the world gives, I give you joy. And thank God. Another promise is desires of your heart. I love that when it, and it is, if you delight in Him, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, another promise is waiting. Now, I don't like to wait, but, but I've got a promise connected with the waiting, and that is those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so, uh, tremendous promises. So, the point is, is this. I believe there's a promise from God for every circumstance in your life. Every circumstance you're dealing with, good or bad, things that you want, desire, financial blessing and healing and things that you desire from God, uh, every, every circumstance of your life has a promise from God. Now, the question for you today is this, and then here we go, you're going to be able to say it by the time I get through, I hope, and that is this, what is a promise that you're holding on to that you've not yet seen it become a reality? In other words, it's a promise given. You know it's from God. God wants to do this. I know this is God's will. This is God's plan. God has given me this promise, but I've not yet seen it become a reality. I'm convinced that as big as God is and as infinite as He is, that God is big enough to have a promise for every one of His children. And, I, and I'm not even talking about these general ones, because these are the general ones. Yeah, salvation, yeah, baptism, yeah, we can talk about that. And that's all great and wonderful, but I'm talking specific. 
Because, see, my God I worship is a God of specifics. He knows where I'm at right now. He knows what I'm going through right now. He knows what I'm thinking right now. He knows everything. Nothing, uh, Psalm 139, nothing about me escapes his knowledge. He knows my words even from afar off. He knows my thoughts. He knows my down sitting, my uprising. He knows everything about me. So with that kind of knowledge, listen to me, he would be a cruel God if he didn't have a promise for me. See, See, he's a good God. And so he's a good God and he knows me. So he has promises for me. And so now the question for you is, what is a promise that God has given you that you've not yet seen it become a reality? One for this church again is a good pastor's coming. You know, God's going to take this church forward. I don't believe God wants Lone Grove Assembly of God Church to die. I don't. You've come too far. You've got too much going for you. Amen? And so understand, I believe beyond a shadow of doubt, God's promise is a great future for this church. Let's go to Abraham. Find in your Bible, please, Genesis chapter 15. Abraham is the father of faith. Abraham is our example of how to handle a promise of God that has not yet become a reality. If there's ever an example that we needed to follow, it's Abraham. So if you would, please look at Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to read some scriptures, but the reality, if, if you'll follow along, uh, the main points are on the screen. But go to Genesis 15, if you've got your Bible, and verse 1. It says, After these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Verse 3, Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring, indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So Abram is saying, my, my servant Eliezer is the heir. I have no offspring. I, I've not had a child. But because he is the servant, the elder servant of my household, he's my heir. If I die without children, it's going to go to Eliezer of Damascus because I am childless. That's exactly what Abram's saying. If you will please, verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one will come from your own body who shall be your heir. In other words, your servant, Eliezer, is not going to be your heir. You're going to have a kid. You're going to have a baby that's going to come from your own body. That's a promise. Are you with me? How long was it from this promise till it, was, it became a reality? It's 25 years. Uh, go with me. Verse 5. Then he, God brought him, then God brought Abram outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. So there God is giving Abraham a promise of descendants. Okay? Now he gives him another promise. Look at verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and God counted it to Abram for righteousness. Then God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldeans to give you, here's the promise, this land to be an inheritance. The reality is Israel is both a land and a people. Uh, Paul and I are going to Israel in November. In fact, we've got a couple of openings. If anybody would like to go to Israel, catch Paula afterwards and she can give you some details. But Israel is very special. 
Israel is, when we use the word Israel, it's a place, it's a land, and it's also a people, the people of Israel. Uh, Israel, the place, was a land promised to Abraham and his descendants. And I will tell you, Israel, the Jews, will die to the last man defending the land. And, and we're, we're living it out right now if you keep up with current events, because there's some real challenging things going on in Israel right now. And it's exciting because we're living in the last days. Uh, the Bible tells us that all the armies of the world will, will mount up against Israel, and God will protect Israel, and he'll, he'll keep Israel. If you will, continue with me there in Genesis 15, beginning with verse 8. And it says, And he said, Abraham said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? How shall I know that I'm going to inherit the land? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then Abram bought, brought all these to God and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. He didn't cut the birds, but just set one bird on each side. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Many times you have to protect your sacrifice. Yeah. If you will, verse 12. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And in verse 13, it says, Then he said to Abram, God said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants, and listen to the promise, how specific it is because this is the God of specific promises. He said, your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. What's going to happen to them? How long it's going to last? That's pretty specific. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, Abram, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at a good old age. Well, th th another promise. You're going to live a long life. You're going to die an old dude. Uh, verse 16, but in the fourth generation, how specific is that? But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, your people are going to return to here, the land of Israel, for the iniquity of the Ammonites is not yet complete. I'm going to judge Ammon, the Ammonites, and their iniquity is not complete. But when you come back from Egypt and you conquer the land, you're going to carry out my judgment and the, you're going to complete. Are you with me? Yeah. Very specific. No, notice with me. For the iniquity of the Ammonites is not yet complete. It's going to be complete. You're going to come back and you're going to annihilate them for me. That's what yeah. God was saying. Verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. And it became that smoke offering up to God. God received it. God received the offering of Abram. That's critical for us to see. Okay, now let's learn from Abraham. If you will, this is what you do when you have a promise that you're holding on to. Number one, here's the key from Abraham. You've got to obey. Obedience is a key to seeing the revealing of a promise that you're hanging on to. See, God gave Abraham a specific promise. He would have a son. He would have countless descendants. 
he would possess the land that today we call Israel. Verse 9, God told Abraham to prepare a sacrifice. Now get this. He said, a three-year-old female cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young, pe- and a young pigeon. God gave these very specific, and, and what did Abraham do? He did exactly what God told him to do. And then God, God cut them down the, and separated them, took the birds, put on each side. God told him exactly what to do. Abraham did it just exactly like God told him to. Now, here's the question. Why did Abraham prepare these to be a sacrifice to the Lord? The obvious answer is because God told him to. God said, do it this way. Abraham did it. Now, one of the reasons that God could bless Abraham so much was because of his obedience. Uh, God had this, and you'll see it again in Abraham's life, but God had this testing of Abraham, and that is, if I ask you to do something, can I expect you to do it? And here Abraham is showing him. See, uh, note with me this, and that is this. The killing of the animals and the birds had nothing to do with Sarah being with child, with her being pregnant. Uh, The killing of the birds and the animals had nothing to do with the land being possessed. And uh, the killing of the birds and the animals had everything to do with obedience. If I ask you to do something, will you do it? And Abram was showing God, you asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. Remember Isaac? Take him up on a mountain, kill him, okay? See, are you with me? If I ask you, see, God didn't want Isaac killed. You know, that would be such a contradiction. Because even in the Levitical law, Molech, uh, the worship of Molech was a child sacrifice. And God was so against child sacrifice. And so it was such a contradiction in God for God to want Isaac. God never intended for Isaac to be, but he was doing this. Will you do what I ask you to do? It was a test. And so the reality is, this is a test. Will you do what I ask you to do? Uh, will you prepare these animals for a sacrifice? Will you put this together? And, and this was before the Levitical law, so we had no Levitical guidelines for sacrifice. And so God said, do this, and Abraham did it. Okay, what is God asking you to do prior to you receiving your promise? Um, now, a lot of times we think that we are so disconnected from the promise. I have nothing to do with the promise. It's all Him. I'm going to tell you, you have a whole lot to do with the promise being received. Uh, think of salvation. Salvation is a wonderful promise for all humanity. Sad reality is not everybody enjoys it. Are you with me? Uh, Why? Because they didn't do their part. Uh, Forgiveness is available if you confess your sin. 1 John 1 and 9, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, but you've got to confess your sin. And so please understand, the promises of God are yes and amen, but that doesn't mean I sit back on my blessed assurance and just expect Him to bring it me to me. Are you with me? i got to do my part. One of my parts, one of your parts, church, for your next pastor is obedience. I wish I could have got you about two weeks after your pastor left because I'd love to be able to have preached to everybody that's left. They were wrong. And nobody else may have the guts to say that, but I'll tell you, they were wrong. They bailed out. They weren't willing to be obedient. Because I can tell you, it's not God's will that you quit coming to church. It's not God's will that you bail out on a body of believers that you've been united together with as a family. 
Okay, so please. Uh, obedience is a key to receiving the promises of God. Most of the time we consider obedience as right and wrong, good and bad, morality or immorality. But let me tell you, sometimes obedience is just, in my personal vernacular, and I, you know I'm kind of blunt, but it's just common sense. Because sometimes it's just common sense obedience. You know, it has nothing to do with morality. You know, uh, all of that is obvious in the Word. I know what God's principles and precepts are, and I've got one wife and don't want another one. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, and, and the reality is, is I, I know morality, right and wrong, good and bad, and what's nasty, and it, it, all of us know those things. But the reality is, concerning God's promises, I need to get practical in my obedience. Like, for example, I'm praying to God for a financial blessing. I'm going to ask this question. Do you have a job? Are you with me? That's pretty practical, right? You know, don't pray for a financial blessing if you're sitting and watching TV all day. Are you with me? I mean, let's get practical with that. You know, I'm, I'm praying for God to heal, heal me and to make my body strong. Are you exercising? Right. Are you watching your diet? Right. Boy, I'm getting all preachy, aren't I? You know, yeah. are, are you walking? Yeah. You know, I hit the gym three times a, a week, and, and I want to be healthy, and I want to walk two miles a day plus uh, going to Israel, and I'm going to get fit and ready. But the reality is I can't sit back on my thumbs and expect God to make me healthy. <laughs> okay? So, uh, make those questions practical concerning the promises of God. Don't get all spiritual. Get practical. Okay? What is God telling me to do to now if, if I expect that promise to become a reality? I really believe that promise has come from Him, and I really believe He wants to bring that promise about. Okay, what do I need to do in my obedience to see that a promise become a reality? Are you hearing me? See, God, God's a good God, but a lot of times we go without His promises because it was us, right. not Him. Right. Okay. You still like me? Okay. Is that okay? Okay. Romans 4 and 20 concerning Abram. He did not waver in unbelief. Oh, I love that. He hung on to His promise. Okay. 4 and 21, and being fully convinced, he was convinced or fully assured that what he promised, what God promised, God was able to perform. So understand in this time between the promise given and the promise received, critical your obedience. Obey God. Ask God some questions. God, what do you want me to do? To, uh, what do I need to change to be able to see this promise become a reality in my life? I, I want to work with you. And I want to come in agreement with you. And I want to see this become a reality. Are you with me? Pray those things and God will lead you and guide you. Next thing you know, wow, you're enjoying the promise. Number one, obedience. Number two, expect opposition. Sure. You've already experienced this as a church. Uh, this message, tr trust me, when I study and prepare to bring you a message, I want something that speaks, speaks to you two sides. One is individually, and one is collectively as a church. Um, just because the promise came from God didn't mean that there would not be opposition. Right. And I'm going to tell you the same thing. Just because God promised you a good pastor doesn't mean there's not going to be opposition prior to him come, coming and getting here. See, it was 25 years from the promise given to Abraham to the birth 
of Isaac. Hagar was a detour. You know your Bible, Hagar was a detour. That was a problem, if you will. That's when Abraham tried to help God with the promise. Now, we obey God, but we don't become God. Are you with me? And that's, uh, Abraham said, well, uh, you know, in fact, Sarah, you know, and Abraham got together, and here comes Hagar, and then comes Ishmael. And from Ishmael comes the Arab nations of today. The problem they're dealing with today began back with Abraham. And so, what a problem. But it was them trying to work out God's promise. We don't work out God's promise. We're just obedient to Him until we see the reality of the promise. If you will, old age was an obstacle. There's not a whole lot of 100-year-old guys that have a baby, right? Everybody with me? Amen. And thank God, God had a good plan when He gave babies to to young people. I think that's a great plan. I agree with Him 100%. I love my grandkids, but the thing I love about my grandkids is they come and visit, and then they leave, you know, and they don't stay any longer. And then there's sometimes I go, man, is it about time for them to leave yet? You know, but thank God they're temporary, and then they leave. Verse 11, and the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. You're going to have to drive away the birds of prey to your promise. Uh, the enemy is going to come and try to say, God doesn't want to do that to you. You, 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 you have no right even thinking that. You, that is such a stupid thing for you to even consider. The enemy is going to come against your promise. Amen. Trust me. Uh, this church, how many times has the enemy said, and, and I've heard your deacon say it when I personally have talked to them, what's wrong with us? Yeah. Why is this happening to us? I'm going to tell you, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just not yet. I believe it's coming, and I believe it's going to be great when it it does. But just because it's a promise from God doesn't mean that there will not be opposition. There will be opposition. Uh, Abram is our example. Uh, Abram had to drive away the opposition to the promise. Now, some people will say, and, and you've probably heard this, and some people will say this, they'll say, well, if it was of God, there'd be no opposition. Tell them, you don't know what you're talking about. Because uh, you can be exactly in God's perfect will, and there will still be opposition. I can tell you over my years of ministry, just prior to a mighty move of God, there was this greatest spiritual warfare just right before the mighty move of God. Uh, when Paul and I went to Coweta, uh, it had been 12 years under district appointment. There was a man who was a pastor at Coweta on Father's Day from behind the pulpit, turned to his wife at the piano and divorced her, said, I'm leaving you, and had six kids in the congregation, and that's where they heard that their dad was divorcing their mother. He stepped out from behind the pulpit, walked down the center aisle, went over to the parsonage, and left the church that day. Destroyed the church. Now, I tell you that because I want you to hear, I was the pastor that came 12 years later The church was wounded. The church was bruised. It was district appointed for 12 years. It was a hurting church. I was the first pastor that they voted in after that time. The first night we were there was on a Wednesday night, and there was 14 people in church, and four of them rode in the car with me. 
Um, it was a small herding church. I think there was 33 members. I think Paula said 30, 30 members of the church. God blessed that church. Uh, I, I will tell you that there was opposition that came. Um, my first board meeting, two deacons resigned, said, you don't need me any longer. We got a pastor. I go, oh, that isn't how the way this works. Uh, you know, I need you. You know, and, and they did stay. One, one Sunday night, one of the deacon's uh, daughters was caught smoking in the, in the bathroom, smoking a cigarette. He came just broken. He said, I'm, I resigned as a deacon. I have no right being a deacon. If I got a daughter, it's... Man, there's mercy. What I'm, the reason I'm telling you that little bit, and I could go on and on, is right before a mighty move of God, there was always spiritual opposition. I can tell you when we left the church, it was run over 600. Uh, it, we went through three building pro programs. We built a brand new building, built a, a, a balcony, because the 600 on the floor wasn't enough, had to add a balcony. And then we built an outreach center with a full court gymnasium, 12 classrooms, so it could become a private school. And I can tell you, when I left, it was out of debt, had $250,000 in the bank. Okay, now that's what God did. I tell you that because you ain't got it half bad. Are you with me? Yeah. No, you, you ain't got, you, this is, you, your situation's nothing. You, you got a bunch of good people ready for the right guy to come and to take you into revival. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. But please understand, you can be in, in the center of God's perfect will and there'll still be opposition. Uh, one service, we had the guy come in to our service, and he, later on, I didn't know at the time, but later on, I found out that he was the high priest of the Satanist church of Wagner County, Coitus in Wagner County, and he came into church that day, he came into the prayer line, he came and laid hands on people. I didn't know him, and, uh, but he came that morning, just milled right in. That evening, he came in, holding a Bible down the center aisle, and he came, it just became a disruption. And I came to the pulpit and I said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. He stopped, turned around, and ran out of the church. That evening, every man in that church came up to me and said, Pastor, we've got your back. It was an opposition, but it brought unity. The devil's dumb. He always overplays his hand. Are you with me? He always pushes it farther than he should. Uh, he would have never had Christ crucified on Calvary had he known what would have happened. He always pushes, he always overplays his hand. And so the reality is this church has been pushed. You've been pushed, you've been pushed, and now the devil's overplaying his hand, and you've been pushed, and now you're just fed up. You're done with him, and you're going to rebuke him in Jesus' name and let God do what God wants to do in Lone Grove Assembly of God Church. Amen? That's God's plan. Amen. Opposition, it, it, it's a reality. But opposition does not mean that you're out of God's will. What I have found, honestly, in my personal ministry is opposition is kind of a, and take this right, kind of a reverse compliment. I figure if the devil leaves me alone, I'm not a threat. You know, one of my prayers is, One of, my, one of my prayers is that when I get up in the morning, the demons go, oh, he's awake. Yeah. 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 
Amen? So the reality is opposition is going to be there, and we've got to deal with it like Abraham. The third thing is look at God's orchestration. You know, I'm going to tell you, church, a year from now, you're going to look back to this, and you're going to say, ah, that's why he did it that way. Notice how God orchestrates. If you will, God concluded his instructions to Abraham by explaining how it would all be orchestrated. Verse 13, his descendants would be slaves of the land for 400 years. Verse 14, their captivity would gain them great treasures. They would plunder the Egyptians. Verse 15, Abraham would die in peace. Scripture tells us he died 175 years old. Verse 16, his, his descendants would be used to bring God's judgment on the Ammonites. Now, that's really specific orchestration. In God's orchestration, it included slavery and war. Are you with me? It, it, in the orchestration, it didn't say, everything's just going to come up roses. It's going to be so easy. It's just going to be a smooth ride. None of that was there. In God's orchestration, what was the outcome? A strong, mighty, prevailing people. Are you with me? Please understand this. There's some things that you can only learn by going through a difficult time. Uh, think with me. If you were born rich and wealthy and never had a problem and never had a want for anything, didn't have to work, man, you'd be pretty cushy. But in your life and in my life, there's things that I've learned, and the only reason I learned them is because I survived them. And I didn't enjoy them. It wasn't great. And, oh, boy, I'm going through a problem. Uh, the reality is I went through that problem, and then on the other side, it made me stronger than before I went into it. That's Israel. The reason Israel went into Egyptian bondage was God was building a strong nation, a prevailing people. They couldn't have learned that if it was a cushy promised land all the time. They needed to learn how to survive, how to have stay power, how to stick with it. That's what you've learned. One of your greatest examples, and Julie, I'm talking about you tonight, but, and she hadn't asked me to do any of this, but one of your greatest examples of state power is that girl right there. Yep. Yes, I, I've talked to Paul about her a little bit, and that is, is that what a blessing she is to this church. And when you have the pastor leave, the youth pastor leave, and you have a, a, this person leave, that person leave, and everybody bailing, and then the reality is, thank God for one that's has stay power. Okay, that is what God is teaching, not just her, but this whole congregation. He's teaching you something. Now, you would never have learned this had it been a cushy process, but you're learning something. You need each other. And the reality is you ought to be able to look over your shoulders and there's somebody I can count on, there's somebody I can count on, there's somebody that's going to be with me. And thank God you got this. Now, I'd love to, like I said, I'd love to have caught you about you know, two weeks out, uh, you know, but the reality is I, I didn't catch you then. Some have gone, they bailed on you, and, and that's, uh, we can't do anything about that. We're not going to get mad at them. No. Let me say that again. We're not going to get mad at them. No. What we're going to do is get the next pastor in here and have revival. Next thing you know, they're going to be coming back. And then what you need to do is you need to welcome them back as if they never left. Right. No grudges. Right. Oh, no grudges. Right. Anybody say Amen. We love them. Uh, you know, when they walk in the door, what you've got to understand is they're going to, to get in that door is a big deal. Yeah. 
uh, they've already had to overcome a few things to even walk in the door. And it's so critical, the first contact. First, first contact is critical. People already have their mind made up whether they like the church long before the preacher ever opens his mouth. You can either make this church or you can damage this church. And I'm talking about you. <laughs> Your attitude, what you say and what you don't say. You know, you've got to be so careful. And so what we need is this. Whoever comes into this church needs to be welcomed with open arms. And we did love them with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I've been coming 10 weeks, and so it gives me a little bit of an authority voice here, okay? And I'm just kind of, you know, taking that authority. But you need to welcome them with open arms and just love them like they never left. But at the same time, you need to look around at this group right here and say, I thank God for him. I thank God for her. I thank God for her. I thank God. Are you with me? Y'all stay together. You have the stay power. And you've learned something that the other people didn't learn. You only learn it by living and surviving through it. Okay. Now, did Israel go into slavery? Yes. Um, did Israel plunder Egypt when delivered? Yes. Uh, did Abraham die in peace long years? Yeah, 175. Um, did, or excuse me, does Israel still exist? Yeah. God's true to his promise. The reality, every promise God made to Abraham became a reality. What do I learn in Abraham? I learned obedience. I learned there's going to be opposition. And I learned that God's going to orchestrate it. I need to let God orchestrate it. Even if it's difficult, let him orchestrate it. Because he's got a plan. And his plan is always a good one. Are you with me? He's got a plan for this church. It's a good one. It, honestly, if you and I were sitting down, let's draw up a plan, plan for the church back when Gary and Vonda left. And, okay, what's the next phase? What are we going to do? I, I would say probably no one would have put down this as the plan. Right? Nobody. Nine months later, we're still without a pastor. Nobody would have put down that plan. But you're not God. God must have another plan. And I think there's something that's, I'm not smart enough and I don't have all the knowledge, but I can tell you this. There was something that God wanted to take place during this process that needed to take place for him to be able to orchestrate it to be able to come in his will. Again, I say this, a year from now, you'll look back and you'll go, ah, that's what he was doing. Then you're going to be able to really smile. It's kind of the pitch right now. But then, it's, then you're going to go, oh, that's what he was doing. God's got a promise. Here's your question. What is a promise that you know has come from God that you're holding on to that has not yet become a reality? I have mine. I believe you have yours. What we want to do is we want to be obedient, recognize opposition is going to be there, but God's going to orchestrate it. He may not orchestrate it the way I want to or I would, but I'm going to let him orchestrate it according to his will. And then I'm going to enjoy the promise. Amen. 
Would you stand with me, please? Father, I thank you for the challenge of your word. I thank you for the example of Abraham, the great, exceeding, wonderful promises given us and the example given us in the father of faith, Abraham. And Lord, I pray, I pray for Lone Grove Assembly of God Church. I pray for this church and the next pastor. I pray that you'd begin to prepare his heart in recognizing that this is where you want him to be. I pray for this church. I pray that when he is voted upon, given that opportunity to be presented, that Lord, your perfect will would be done. Lord, we pray for the leading, the guiding of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're hanging on to your promise. We believe that you've made a promise for this church. It's not yet become a, a reality, but Lord, we're holding on. And Lord, we want to obey you. We want to deal with the opposition. We're going to let you orchestrate it. And Lord, we're going to right now seek you in this time of prayer. And Lord, we're going to ask, we're going to ask for the fulfillment of the promise that you've given. We ask for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. Congregation, if you would, let's come and gather around this altar. Let's spend some time in prayer. And let's remind God of the promises that you know that he has given you. Father, we seek your face. God, we pray. We pray for healing. By your stripes, we were healed. It's your promise, Lord. We pray for restoration of families. Lord, it's your promise that our families would be united together in you. And Lord, take away the opposition. And Lord, we're going to watch you orchestrate it and bring it back together. God, we pray. We pray for our lost children. We pray for the lost grandchildren. We pray for the lost husbands, the lost wives. Lord, you've given us promises concerning them. And, and we hang on to your promise, Lord. And, Reveal to them truth. May they see the truth that there's an enemy that's trying to destroy them and that their only hope is you. God, draw them to you in salvation. Father, your promises are exceedingly great and precious. You have promises for every aspect of our lives. And Lord, may we in this time around the altar, may, may we, one, remind you of the promises that you've given and and Lord, may we hold on. Oh, Lord, may we hold on to the promise. We seek you, Lord, until the promise becomes a reality. We know, we know that, Lord, the promises come from you. We know it's in your promise, your provision, Lord.
bless the Lord. Thank you, Father. Congregation, if you would please stand with me. Let's have a prayer together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the stirring of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the promises given us. And Lord, we glory, we glory in you. We glorify you. And Lord, may, may there be a, a, an encouragement from your word, an encouragement from your presence. And Lord, we pray your protective hedge about your people. God bless them this week. Lord, help each one in all they lay their hands to do. Honor them. And God, you prosper them, promote them, and protect them. So Father, we seek your blessing. And Lord, we pray your perfect will for Long Grove Assembly. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless your hearts. God bless your hearts. Thank you, Lord.